split open again. The sun was still shining through the trees, its white beams as sharp as swords. But he was whole again. Everything had happened too fast. He shouldn't have gone straight from bed out into the sunlight. He had always moved in a different space, seeing the world through a murky veil that took the sting out of the light and the sounds coming from outside. He held the veil in place by concentrating hard. A moment ago he had slipped up, had run out into the new day without taking stock, like a child. His punishment seemed unreasonably harsh, because, as he slept on the dark bed, he had dreamt about something that made him sit bolt upright and then rush outside without thinking. He closed his eyes and recalled some images. He was looking at his mother at the bottom of the stairs. Out of her mouth gushed warm red blood— fat and round, wearing a white apron with big flowers. She reminded him of a toppled jug, emptying red gravy. He remembered her voice, always accompanied by a dark, velvety tone. Slowly, he went back inside the house. This is a story about Erki. It began like this. At 3 a.m., he left the asylum. We don't refer to it as the asylum, Erki. And even though you certainly have the right to call it whatever you like in private, you ought to take other people into consideration and give it a different name. It's a matter of courtesy. Or tact, if you will. Have you ever heard of that? She was so eloquent, God help her, that her words seemed to seep out of her like oil. After the words came her sound, a shrill electric organ. "'It's called the Beacon,' he said, and gave an acid smile. "'Those of us here in the Beacon are all one big family. The telephone rings. May I speak to the Beacon, please? Could someone get the mail for the Beacon?' "'Precisely. It's all a matter of habit. Everyone has to show a little consideration.' "'Not me.' he replied sullenly. I was committed against my will, per paragraph five, dangerous to myself and possibly to others. He leant forward and whispered in her ear, Thanks to me, you can swan around on pay grade twenty-seven. The night nurse shivered. This was the time of day when she felt most vulnerable, this no-man's land between night and morning— a grey void when the birds stopped singing and you couldn't be sure that they'd ever sing again, when anything might have happened and she didn't yet know about it. She slumped a little, feeling suddenly faint. She didn't have the strength to see his pain, to remember who he was, that he was her charge. She simply found him repulsive, self-absorbed and nasty. "'I realise that,' she snapped. "'But you've been here for four months now, and as far as I can tell, you seem to like it just fine.' As she said this, her lips pursed like the beak of a hen. The organ struck a strident chord. And so he left. It wasn't hard. The night was warm, and the window was ajar with a gap of fifteen centimetres. It was locked with a steel bar, but he managed to remove the whole bar using his belt buckle. The building was over a hundred years old, and the screws slid easily out of the rotting wood. His room was on the first floor— he jumped out the window as light as a bird, and landed on the lawn. He didn't cross the car park, but instead headed through the woods towards the small lake, which they called the Well. 
It didn't matter which route he took. The point was that he didn't want to stay in the beacon any more. The lake was beautiful. It didn't put on airs. Just lay there without a ripple, resting in the landscape, open and still. Didn't push him away, didn't lure him forward, didn't touch him. Was simply there. The asylum was only a stone's throw away, but invisible because of the trees. Nestor asked him to stop for a moment, and he did. He stared down into the black well and thought of Tormut, who was found floating face down in the water, wearing rubber gloves, as always, with his blonde hair waving in the greenish-black water. He didn't look very good, but then he never had. He was fat and sluggish, with colourless eyes, and besides he was stupid, a disgusting, pudding-like fellow who went around asking people to excuse him.